Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Podcast on the Brink, your weekly dose of Indiana basketball news and discussion. Brought to you by the Assembly Call and Inside the Hall. I'm your host, Jared Morris. Join me live at assemblycall.com every Thursday night and immediately following every IU game for our live IU postgame show. And visit insidethehall.com for complete coverage of IU basketball and to join the discussion in the Inside the Hall premium forum. On this week's edition of Podcast on the Brink, Alex Bozich and I get you ready for the resumption of Big Ten play Indiana that is on Saturday at Maryland by breaking down the Big Ten breaking down the Big Ten into tiers talking about each team where they kind of stack up based on what they've done but also how we project them moving forward and where Indiana stacks up in there and then what Indiana needs to do how Indiana needs to improve uh, over how they've played over the last few games to make sure that they're ready uh, for what is certainly going to be a rough rugged Big Ten season, but we talk about all of that, uh, breaking down the Big Ten this week on Podcast on the Brink. Before we get to that, quick thought about tickets. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's like they're so big, they feel like they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. What does it matter if their site's annoying, doesn't have the events you want? Hello, status quo. The real question is how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually care? Well, SeatGeek actually cares. Now, why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, if you want to look for evidence, just take a quick look at the App Store, which shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. Talk about customer satisfaction. And the reason why SeatGeek has so many satisfied customers is because they deliver a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. They rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and they put them all on an interactive seat map. Green dots are good deals, red dots are overpriced, and every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's what I use for concert tickets, live event tickets, sports tickets. If you're going to go to any IU basketball games this year, road or home, they've got listings there for all of them and good prices available, so go check them out. And when you do, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. It's Brink, B-R-I-N-K. So download the SeatGeek app. Use that promo code Brink today to get $10 off your first purchase. All right, now here's our conversation about the Big Ten. All right, Alex, well, we have had a night to sleep on Indiana's disappointing loss last night in the Gator Bowl, uh, and it is time now to fully turn our attention to basketball, which I guess we always do on this show, but, you know, I'm sure a lot of the people out there listening are, you know, still a little bit, have a little bit of a football hangover from that disappointing loss. But 
Hey, quickly, Saturday, Big Ten play resumes uh, for this Indiana basketball team that currently sits at 11-2 and two overall, 1-1 one and one in the conference uh, with a difficult trip to Maryland. Uh, the, uh, the Big Ten schedule ramps up quickly, as we have discussed, and so thought this week we would kind of, you know, instead of just diving in and talking about Indiana, let's talk about the Big Ten conference as a whole as kind of a primer for what is to come over these next 18 games. How does that sound? Yeah, it looks it sounds sounds terrific. I do want to say one thing about Indiana specifically, just kind of coming out of that Arkansas game. We haven't had a chance to talk since then, but I, I think there's kind of two competing um, ways to look at Indiana's season so far. And I think after the Arkansas game, we saw more of the uh, alarmist mentality uh just based on kind of how they lost that game uh people are worried now about how big 10 play is gonna unfold uh, i guess that would be your glass half empty look i think the glass half full look is i think in the preseason if you would have told everybody that indiana would be sitting at 11 and 2 going to maryland i think most people probably would have taken that based on preseason expectations uh it's just you know, the most recent memory of this team that, that people have fresh in their minds is, you know, seeing them only score three points in the last eight minutes against Arkansas. And so people have, you know, had some panic and that's totally justified. But I would also say that there's a lot of season left and there's going to be plenty of more twists and turns to come. So let's just wait uh, to cast final judgment on this team until, you know, we have a Kind of a more complete body of work, and we all know that January could be uh, really rough. But I, you know, I th- I still think there's a pretty good chance for this Indiana team to get back to the tournament. And I, I think that's all anybody, uh, you know, that that follows the team, supports this program, is focused on right now. Um, rather than you know, y- you got to move forward and 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 try to get some uh, get some positive momentum back, and they have a chance to do that uh, beginning uh, Saturday at Maryland. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I. I I definitely agree that every most everybody would have taken eleven and two, especially when you know three of those victories are, are in those four non conference games that we knew Indiana would have to do a good job in, and two of them came away from home, you know, against UConn and Notre Dame. So that is all good, you know. Now I think you know the the context would matter. Like if you told me Indiana would be eleven and two, but defensively, you know, we'd be fifty ninth in Ken Palm, you know, and and some of the other issues that have come with it. You know, that might have made me pause a little bit. So all that stuff has kind of worked in there. But, you know, look, you're, you're 11 and 2. You've got those 11 wins in the bank. And now you got to move forward here in Big Ten play. And, you know, look, whether certain guys are injured, not playing very well right now, you're, you know, struggling to get cohesion on the defensive end, like all these things that, you know, are still kind of happening and need to get worked out. The bottom line is now they've got to get worked out and get worked out quickly because, the schedule is going to get tough and you know that starts on saturday so let's let's look at the big 10 as a whole and let's kind of break it into tiers and you and i talked about this a little bit yesterday i was originally under the impression that we were going to do four tiers you are throwing a last minute curveball and saying that there are now five tiers in the big 10 uh do you want to explain yourself well, I had to add um, a tier for Northwestern. Um, <laughs> they have their own tier, huh? <laughs> to occupy for itself. Normally, I would have four tiers, but I do have, and we don't have to spend much time on this, I have the hopeless tier, and that is currently occupied um, by Northwestern because 
based on their performance this season. And and one thing I did when I when I did these Big Ten power rankings, we don't have a ton of Big Ten only data to go by. So I, I when I did my Big Ten power rankings, I just kind of looked at who everyone's played so far, who they've beaten, and who they've lost to. And the thing that stands out to me about Northwestern is three home losses uh, to Merrimack, Radford, and most recently Hartford, which is uh, sub three hundred in Ken Palm. So that's is that bad to me. To me, that puts them below Nebraska. Even though they're ranked higher in Ken Palm than Nebraska, Nebraska, to me, has shown at least uh, that they are capable of beating a, a decent team. They beat Purdue at home. Uh, Northwestern beat Providence at home, which doesn't really uh, excite me at all. So I gave Northwestern their own tier. So we, we don't have to spend any more time on Northwestern, but they're in the bottom tier for me. So okay. we can now move on to the other four tiers. Okay, so let's start at the top which seems okay. pretty clear. And, and did you call your top contenders? Is that what we're going with here? Yes, yes. So these are the teams that we think are, you know, obviously most likely to really compete for the Big Ten title. To me, there are two of them, Michigan State and Ohio State, and I'm not comfortable enough with any of the other teams to put them in there. Is that... I agree. I agree. Okay. I had those two teams at the top. And actually, I, th I think right now, a lot of people probably feel like Ohio State's the favorite, but I, I would... I, I'm kind of moving off of them and trending more towards Michigan State based on what I've seen recently. And I know Josh Langford's out for the year, but I just think that when it comes to, you know, the meat of this Big Ten uh, season, you know, the, the two most important things to me are coaching and point guard play. And I think Michigan State is the best in both of those areas. They have the best coach in the league, in my opinion, in Tom Izzo. And they have the best, not only the best point guard, they have the best player in the league in Cassius Winston. And so they're 3-0 and so far in the league. Uh, they're the only team without a loss in the conference. They just crushed Illinois uh, yesterday. And I feel really good about where they're going. Now, their ceiling may not be as high as we originally thought. You know, they were preseason number one. They really only had one place to go, and that was down. And they did take some losses early in the year that were, you know, alarming. But I, I think recently they've been a lot better. And, you know, if I was handy, if I was betting right now on who would win the league, I would take Michigan State. And they've obviously dealt with, you know, some issues this year. The tragedy with Cassius Winston's brother and losing Josh Langford. And I think, you know, when you listen, hopefully folks listen to the Moving Screen Pod. That's a podcast we've recommended here a lot with our friends of the show, Brendan Quinn and Dylan Burkhart. You know, and you, and you hear Brendan talk about it. You know, he's almost like, I'm kind of throwing out the first month of the season because it was so strange and they dealt with a lot of stuff. And now... Now they're getting going. You know, to be fair, they do, they are three and zero in Big Ten play, but those three wins are home against Rutgers at Northwestern, a home against Illinois. So they don't really have like an impressive Big Ten win yet. But I mean, they won on the road, so I guess that's you know that's as impressive as any Big Ten win that there is when you can win on the road, even if it's against uh, your hopeless Northwestern Wildcats. But you know, I, I agree. Ohio State has played the best from start until now overall, although you know they obviously took a loss recently. Um, but I think Michigan State is kind of rounding into form, and anybody who counts a Tom Izzo team out after a rough you know November or early December, you're usually going to find that that's not a smart thing to do. So you know I look at those two teams. They to me they have the best combination of playing the best, you know, talent. Just when you look at it on paper obviously coaching and just fewer questions than a lot of the other teams that we're going to get to, you know, and you could probably make a case for a Maryland. You could talk about Michigan, some of those teams, and we'll get to them in a second with why we don't think that they're contenders. But yeah, to me, Michigan state and Ohio state pretty clearly the favorites. Uh, and it'll be fun to see them duke it out. Cause I don't, 
I think if one of them is going to separate from the other, it would be Michigan State separating from Ohio State. I think they have the higher ceiling. Um, but I think Ohio State's, I think, proven that they're going to be in it for the long haul. So I expect it to be a pretty good two-team race down to the end between those two. I agree with I agree with all that. How, how many teams did you have in your uh, in your next tier? So the next tier, what, and what are we calling this tier now officially? I called it uh, next in line. Next in line. So these are teams that we don't think are going to compete, but are going to be pretty consistent. You know that next step down. Compete I have for the Big Ten title, right? Yeah, yeah. Not not compete okay. for the Big Ten title, but these are teams that are locks for the NCAA tournament. You know, and that, that that's how that's how I would consider them. Um, based on how they based on how they played so far, right? Based on how they played so far, right. but they have enough question marks that you know it wouldn't shock me if they fall into the tier below. Um, I think they have enough talent that they could potentially rise above, but I'm I'm not really seeing it. But to me, those okay. teams are Maryland, Michigan. And honestly, those are the only two teams that I'm comfortable enough putting in there. I mean, I, as you can see, I think there's going to be a lot of jumble in the middle. Um, but those those are the two teams to me that I put in there. And the reason why I don't put them any higher than that is I don't trust Maryland's coaching, and I don't trust their depth. Although they have as you know as much high end talent as most everybody else. And with Michigan, they've got a lot of, a lot of proven players like Xavier Simpson, John Teske. You know, they've obviously proven that they can win big games. But they got a brand new coach who's going to be going through the Big Ten for the first time, and so I think you know having that experience is going to help them. So I think they have a high floor, but I don't think they can get up to contender status. And then I have a whole yeah. bunch of questions about a lot of teams after that. Yeah, I had I had both of those teams in my next in line tier, but I also had two other teams, which may surprise you. I had Iowa. Don't say Iowa. Uh, don't. I had Iowa right now, and I also had Penn State. Um, and that's based See, on. See, I don't trust either one of those teams, though, because I thought about them, but I can't. I couldn't, in good faith, actually put them up there. Yeah. Well, here's what I'll say about Iowa. Okay, they've lost three games. They lost at Michigan. They lost to San Diego State, which is a really good team on a neutral court, and they lost at home to DePaul, which was a bad loss. And I think everyone at the beginning of the season saw that and said, "This team is in trouble. They're not going to be very good." But you look at their wins. They've beaten. To me, five pretty solid teams. They've beaten Texas Tech. Syracuse is decent on the road. I mean, we've seen how hard it is to win on the road. They beat Minnesota, Iowa State on the road, and Cincinnati on a neutral court. What The reason I'll say that right now I have them above, and I'm not saying they're going to finish in this tier, but their offense is fourth in the country. Which see, is see, okay, here's the thing. Really I'm impressive trying, to me. I'm trying to project forward. Because I think if you're talking about based on what they've earned, then you make a good argument for Iowa. However, when I project them forward, we've seen this before from Iowa. They've had great starts to the year and, you know, been in January and been in the top 10 and they fade because they yeah. don't defend. And for whatever reason, Iowa teams just can't seem to sustain themselves under Fran McCaffrey. So I just have a feeling that they're going to be right down with all the rest of us, you know, in the in that big mushy middle of the Big Ten. Um, I, I just I don't trust them. And it's the same thing with Penn State. Now, you know, am I? maybe placing too much weight on past performance. Maybe these individual teams might be better, but I just don't, I don't have that faith in those two teams that they're, once we get into the heat of the big 10 play game in game out, that they're going to win enough games to clearly be a tier above the, the, you know, the rest of the teams that we're going to talk about. Yeah. But wouldn't you also maybe put at this point, 
Maryland and Michigan, though, in that category of having significant questions because Michigan's without Isaiah Livers. We don't know how long he's going to be out. They also have a, a coach who was in his first year in the Big Ten. Now, I know he's had success to this point, and I know he did a, had an impressive run in the battle for Atlantis, which you know really you know put Michigan kind of back on the national map, but we don't know how they're going to adjust to not having Livers for the long term. And with Maryland, we've seen the same thing with Mark Turgeon teams that we've seen with Fran McCaffrey teams at Iowa. Yes. Maybe not to the same extent, but Mark Turgeon just had two players leave his program. They're a freshman. That hurts his front court depth. You know, I was just kind of reading some stuff um, from afar about Maryland uh, as I was previewing the Indiana game this weekend. It just doesn't seem like they're actually thrilled with the job he's done there. It, it just kind of feels nor like... Nor should they be. Right, right. So they feel like, to me, they have a chance to to kind of really, you know, I don't want to say totally implode, but... You know, I don't necessarily trust them. So, you know, th that's the thing. You know, I, I, the reason I'm comfortable putting Iowa and Penn State kind of in that same grouping right now is because I, I kind of feel like all four teams, if they reach their potential, they're locks for the tournament. And I, and I can't believe I'm saying that about Penn State, but based on what I've seen so far, they're, to me, they're, they've been a really good team. I mean, they're 24th in Ken Palm. They've been, you know, they, they, they beat Maryland at home. But I feel like all four of those teams, have significant question marks and and it while it's fair maybe to to put maryland and michigan uh, a slot ahead of iowa and penn state I, are we I, adding I sub tiers yeah i mean <laughs> I, I just i um i have a hard time differentiating all those four teams right now now i do feel like the next tier there's kind of a line to draw through but um so here okay know. so here, here's my reply to that because you i mean you bring up interesting points to me, the questions about Michigan and Maryland are what keep them from being able to go up to the next tier. They have questions, undoubtedly. The ones that you just highlighted, I mentioned them before. But here's what they also have. Xavier Simpson and Anthony Cowan, experienced point guards, and they have John Teske and Jalen Smith. So, I mean, to me, those kind of two-man combos are better than what anybody else is bringing to the table, and that just raises their floor. You know, like you said, if all four of these teams reach their potential, they're going to be locks for the tournament. I think Michigan and Maryland can actually underachieve and still be a lock for the tournament, you know, even if they kind of fade a little bit. Just because I think those players, you know, I mean, we know how Big Ten basketball works. I'm not the biggest fan of Anthony Cowan, but he's a senior point guard that has, you know, been through a lot of stuff. And, you know, same with Xavier Simpson. So that to me is the difference between those two teams. Iowa doesn't, who's even playing point guard for them right now? You know, Bohannon is out, and you know Penn State. Their guard play is probably you know really underrated, and maybe I'm I'm underrating those guys, but I just haven't built in the trust with them yet. So it's just that. So that to me is where I'm coming from. But I, I won't be shocked if Iowa or Penn State finish up there, but I just don't have the confidence in it yet. So before we get to the next tier, and I think I'm hoping this is the tier that Indiana uh, <laughs> is going to come into. I have a question for you. Our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Uh, you know, we we love Homefield Apparel. They obviously got a lot of attention during the football season for the nine windy Indiana shirt that they put out before the season started. And up until about five minutes left in that game last night, it looked like it was going to be the greatest called shot in apparel history. What over under uh Homefield Apparel being able to repurpose nine windy Indiana for the basketball team in Big Ten play? 
over under nine Big Ten wins for Indiana in conference play this year? Oh, I actually think they're going to win nine, so that's hard for me to. <laughs> wow. Would that be the I'm most gonna, ironic gonna, and disappointing hey, outcome that they can repurpose that shirt for the basketball it's season? A, it's a new year. It's a new year. I'm optimistic, so I'm going to go over. Okay, over. I like it. Well, definitely you should also go over to homefieldapparel.com. Check out all of their Indiana gear. The 9 Indiana shirt, of course, is there, but they've got the Bison hoodie. I'll tell you what I got this Christmas. I hadn't gotten one of their crew neck uh, sweaters. I'd always gotten the hoodies. The crew neck sweater is unbelievably comfortable. I got the one with the the little Hoosiers uh, shoes logo. I absolutely love it. Um, it runs a little big though, so you might want to get like one lower size than what you think you need because the one I got was a little bit too big. But so comfortable. Everything that they have there is incredibly comfortable. It's inc- it's comfortable even after you wash it. And when you use the promo code Brink B R I N K, you will get twenty percent off of your first order off of any of the gear that they have there. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Check out all the football shirts they put out this year. Check out all the other vintage logos that they have and get whatever you need to get through this winter. Uh, it's obviously going to be a, you know, a cold winter, but we hope that uh, you know that Indiana is able to warm it up some with some good play on the court. So go to homefieldapparel.com, promo code BRINK, get your gear there. Um, okay, so that leads us in now to this discussion of the next year. What are you calling the third tier of Big Ten teams? The middle. That's what I'm as what I've called oh. it the middle, but the it middle. actually extends. It extends from about ex, my 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 grouping has five teams. How many? How many do you have? Um, well, I was not prepared for all these different tiers that we had here, so I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you go first with this one. I want to see who you have. In no particular order in this in this grouping, um, I have Purdue, Minnesota, Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Okay, and so then okay. So I obviously I have Iowa and Penn State here in here. Okay. Yeah, I I drop them down here, um, and then I I definitely place Purdue in this tier. You know, again, you know they've obviously taken on some losses, but I think that they're going to be, I, you know, I think they'll get better as the season goes along. Just kind of trust in Matt Painter. I definitely put Indiana in this tier as well. Um, you know, I have to say like. I struggle. I've really struggled with Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Illinois to know what to make of those teams. I will say that I feel I feel better about Indiana than all three of those teams. I know Wisconsin absolutely trounced us, but I feel over the course of a season. Uh, so I, I what I would say is I would probably put Wisconsin up, and then I would not include Minnesota and Illinois uh, in that tier. And yeah, that I come have... back to bite me. It's it's a, it's the thin margin, but I just don't trust those teams. I have was Illinois as kind of my last team if I'm making a, a cutoff in that in that tier. They've I think they're nine and five now. They've got really one top one hundred win. It was over Michigan at home. Uh, so I don't love what they've done to this point and I don't have confidence that they're gonna even make the tournament. But I think they have at least the talent to be a, a dangerous team and maybe uh, get things together here as conference play rolls around. Wisconsin is interesting because they have some decent wins and I feel like their style of play is going to keep them competitive in a lot of situations they're just so you know they're they're kind of a unicorn in terms of the Big Ten and having to prepare for a team like that and you know they did go to Tennessee recently and got a big win there uh, although I don't know how good of a Tennessee team that was so I felt comfortable putting them in that tier and then Minnesota 
I mean, they've got five losses, six losses now, but they've got some really good wins, and I, I feel like they're a team that's gotten better. I mean, taking Purdue to double overtime on the road suggests to me that they're going to be competitive in most games. So uh, I wouldn't feel confident in saying that Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, or Illinois make the tournament, any of those three teams, but I feel like at least one of them will, if that makes any sense. One of those three teams, I feel like, is going to find a way to get in, and I, I have a hard time differentiating any of them. And I just felt like that group um, is a is a kind of a cut above the the next tier. And uh, unless we want to break this down into like six tiers, I, I feel like I felt like that was the most appropriate. I know it's to put it's, them in. It's hard to separate those. I'm I'm actually pretty compelled by your argument. Um, yeah, you, know, you look at Minnesota. Do you realize Daniel Oturu is number 10 in the Ken Palm Player of the Year rankings right now? He's good. He's good. He's I really mean, good. I guess I didn't realize how good of a season he's having. Marcus Carr, you know, playing 90% of the minutes for them uh, at guard. So they're, you know, I may be under, under, uh, underrating Minnesota a little bit. And I think you make a good point about Illinois. They have the pieces to be good, you know, with Frazier and DeSumo. They've got big guys. But, you know, we just, you know, we haven't seen it under this coach, you know, under Brad Underwood to see if it can all come together. But they are, they're undoubtedly going to, you know, probably pull off an upset against Minnesota or Ohio State at some point. You know, like they're going to beat some good teams. They just feel like a team that could also lose on any night. Um, so that's, they're, I mean, their problem with the problem with them getting into the tournament right now is, you know, they're one in five against top 100 teams in Ken Palm. They've beaten Michigan, but you look at the rest of their schedule, who they've beaten their best win besides Michigan is Hawaii. So they're really going to have to have a, a great Big Ten season to even kind of get in the conversation. I feel like they've already taken five losses. So, you know, I think they would have to at least get to 500, if not better, in the Big Ten to get um, – in the in the conversation same thing with wisconsin they took those three i think it was what three losses going into the iu game three straight yeah. that they took they were all kind of teams that were uh besides you know richmond and, and new mexico they lost to both of those teams on a neutral court then they lost at nc state they don't really have a bad loss but they don't really have enough really good wins at this point to keep them kind of on the right side of the bubble at this point but yeah, you know, I feel like all yeah, all three of those teams are are solid teams, and I and I feel comfortable putting them above uh, Rutgers, uh, Nebraska, and Northwestern at this point. I agree with with Rutgers. I think clearly better than those other two teams. I mean, I think you could make a yeah. case that that Rutgers jumps up into this into this tier, but I think they would definitely be at the bottom of it um, for sure. So, by the way, yeah. did you on the Moving Screen podcast when? Uh, Brendan and Dylan were doing their Big Ten power rankings. Did you hear Brendan describe Indiana as Rutgers with talent based on the way that they're trying to play this year? Sorry, tweet. I haven't had a chance to listen to their show yet. Um, this week, I will, I'll do that soon. But but yeah, I mean, that's... How, how, okay, but how does that strike you? Because he said it, and I immediately wanted to say... And, and by the way, he picked Indiana 7th. Um, so, you know, he, he's, that's where I have he's not, my, yeah, he's not down program. on Indiana, but he that was just how he described watching them play. Which, I mean, I wish Indiana was playing defense like Rutgers is right now. Rutgers is the 27th best defense in the country. So uh, that would actually be kind of a bit of a mischaracterization of Indiana's defense to call them as good as Rutgers right now because Rutgers is better on the defensive end. My problem with I Rutgers think he was even talking more about offensively, you know, just, you know, trying to be a team yeah. that's kind of rugged and inside. And Yeah, I mean, look at their three point shooting 28.6% for Rutgers. 
there's a good. lot of big there's a lot of Big Ten teams that can't shoot from the perimeter. Maryland's one of them. We're going to see tomorrow potentially a a ton of bricks going up in the Xfinity Center. But yeah, Rutgers to me, I I, I think right now they're I, I think they will have had a good season this year if they make the NIT. Is that sure? Absolutely. Yeah. That would be a I mean a tremendous achievement for Steve Peichel. I mean, like yeah. I mean, Rutgers is 48th in Ken Palm right now. Rutgers is not a game that you just look at as, hey, this is a breather. I mean, you know you're going to be in for a fight against Rutgers. That's, I mean, think about, you know, how far that's come in just a couple of years. I mean, they're, you know, they're not great, and and it's still a game that you should win, but they're they're tough. Yeah, I mean, that's one of Indiana's more winnable road Big Ten games this year. You look at, that's the scary thing when you kind of get into the, the weeds of this Big Ten schedule for Indiana. They don't have the luxury this year and normally you wouldn't call it a luxury based on their past performances there they don't have the luxury of going to northwestern this year and so you look at the most winnable road big 10 games it's rutgers illinois nebraska minnesota they got to figure out a way to get two of those if they want to kind of reach their goals for the season but yeah rutgers is their program on the rise hats off to to uh to what they've been able to do there they've they've uh you know, they've become a respectable team. It, it just kind of shows you, though, how difficult it is to kind of break out of the bottom of the league. They've been, since they've gotten to the Big Ten, I think played on Wednesday of the Big Ten tournament every year since they've since it's been expanded. And they could still be a pretty good team this year and finish 11th or 12th in the Big Ten. That's, that's how difficult this league is this year. What are you doing with Purdue right now? I mean, I know they're in this tier, but how like how do you see this going for them? Because they're still as as they almost always do, they're hanging on to that that Ken Palm ranking of thirteenth despite taking five losses. You know they just beat Minnesota. Yeah, I think we learned. I think we. Nice. I mean they they've got a brutal stretch here coming up. They're next. Let's see. You, I think I feel like you could say that about every Big Ten team. You know. Yeah, I mean I think we're gonna learn a lot more about them though. They're they're what nine and five right now. They almost lost to Minnesota at home, which you know they 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 ultimately got the win. But they go to Illinois on Sunday. That to me that's a game Illinois has to win. Then they go to Michigan, host Michigan State, and they go to Maryland. They could they could very easily lose all four of those games. I feel like that's I mean that's sure they could. I mean the 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 Illinois and the Michigan State games are fifty fifty in Ken Palm basically and the Michigan and Maryland road games are thirty seven percent chance and thirty five percent chance respectively. So that to me is gonna tell us a ton about Purdue. Um if they win two of those games, I'm a lot gonna be a lot higher on them. If they only win one or zero, then I don't know that I necessarily feel great about them making the tournament at, at that point. You know, it's interesting. I didn't realize some of these stats. Eric Hunter, uh, in his sophomore year, currently shooting 42.6% from three on 54 attempts. Sasha Stevanovich, his sophomore year, shooting 45.3% from three-point range. Obviously, both of those guys from the state of Indiana. Do you think... And, uh, Indiana did not offer either one of those guys. Is that correct? I Definitely I, didn't offer... Th they recruited the wrong guy off the Crown Point team because they recruited Grant Gilon and Sasha Stefanovich was on that team and I'm pretty sure that Tom Green didn't even look at him. I remember getting emails back in that time period from people saying, 
Indiana recruited the wrong guy off of this uh, Crown Point team. And I would look at the box scores and it would be Grant Gilon would have like six points in a game and Stefanovic would have like 25. And I'm like, what's going on here? So, yeah, they didn't, re- they definitely didn't offer him. Eric Hunter, they looked at, but I don't think they offered, um, which, I mean, they had, they, they had their, their sights set firmly on obviously Romeo and Rob Fennessy. It's hard to kind of, you know, in hindsight, blame them for, for that. But, Eric T- tough, tough to see him there shooting yeah. 40 plus percent from three when they were in yeah, their own backyard. He, but very good, very good score. Played at a smaller school in Indianapolis, but uh, I think it was pretty high up on the state scoring list when it was all said and done. Really good kid. Um, I had questions about just how his uh his strength and athleticism would, would translate to this uh to this level, but give him credit, he's been he's been really good so far this year. So it's I mean it's virtually impossible to try to separate some of these teams in this big tier right here but you know as you look at Indiana like if I just throw out another team what's your visceral reaction to if Indiana is better will finish better than that team Illinois better Indiana better Minnesota I'd say Indiana will finish better than them Rutgers Indiana will finish better than them. Wisconsin. I think they'll finish better than them. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so that's. I mean, I have I, mean, I have them seventh right now. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm not overreacting to the Arkansas loss. I'm not going to overreact to the Maryland game because I don't. I don't think they're going to win at Maryland. Um, I'm. I'm most interested to to be honest with you. I, I think, obviously. They've got to beat Northwestern at home, and we'll see what happens with the Ohio State game. I'm most interested in really seeing what happens that next week when they go to Rutgers in Nebraska. I think that's going to kind of be telling um, in terms of because they lose those games, and then all of a sudden you're like, where, where, where are the wins coming from? They're going to have to. To me, I think they need to get nine, maybe ten Big Ten wins to to feel pretty good about their tournament chances. Yeah. And they're going to have to pick up a road win or two somewhere um, to make that happen. And I just and if don't... you get that amount, you're going to get some quad one and two wins. Like, just it's sure. impossible to win that many games in the conference and not pick up some quality victories. For sure. But they're going to have to do some do some work on the road somewhere. And you can't trust them, clearly. You can't trust them after the Arkansas game to hold serve at home against everybody in this league. I mean, I think they're going to beat some really good teams at Assembly Hall, but I don't necessarily think that they're going to be able to win more than seven or eight Big Ten home games. I mean, it's just there's going to be teams that come in and win. I mean, I, they, obviously they could prove me wrong, but I think what we've seen, uh, I want to say Dylan had this stat in his story that he published today, but Archie's 12-8, and eight, I think, in Big Ten home games over his first two years. So... Yeah, you I mean, know, we, we w- dominated. Winning, winning, se- w- winning seven or eight Big Ten home games would be a, uh, you know, a change from what's been the norm in the first two years. I mean, we dominated the the conference at home in 2016, which powered Indiana to that Big Ten title. But since then, right, the Hoosiers have been leaky. And I mean, this happened the last year of Kareen, and it's happened under Archie, capable of just some virtual no-shows at home, you know, and some really bad performances. So, but that, uh, you're just not, not going to be able to do that this year in Big Ten play. 
you know. I've got a funny story from the from the aftermath of the Arkansas game. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There was a couple reporters from Arkansas who were at the game, and I went over... Uh, Dylan and Cam weren't there, but so I asked one of the IDS students to to turn my camera on for the Indiana press conferences because I wanted to go over to Arkansas to get uh, the Muscleman reaction. I wanted to just kind of ask him a question about the second half and how they were able to take Trace Jackson Davis out of the game. And he was he was really good. I was I'm glad I did go over there. But before he came into the media room, a couple Arkansas reporters were standing there and they were kind of looking flipping through the media guide and trying to come up with what this was their best non-conference road win since and they were like going back to like the late 90s and stuff and i'm thinking to myself do these guys realize that two or three years ago fort wayne and indiana state came in and won here this is like it, it kind of gives you a, like for those of us who are with this every day and follow it and and you know we, we all realize kind of how far indiana has to go to get back but around the country people who aren't around this program, they still view it as, a. I mean, they were calling, these guys were calling Indiana blue blood. This like, this was a great win. And, and don't get me wrong. It was a good win. It was, uh, you know, something that Arkansas should feel good about. And, but, but it, it kind of gives you pause when, you know, that we, we've seen some of the things we've seen over these last, you know, over this last decade, how, how tough of a, and a trying time it's been, uh, you know, kind of the the disconnect between how we view it uh, and how it's still viewed uh, from the outside. I guess that's kind of what how it should be. Still, still <laughs> a great job, you know, and and still a great place for you know, you know, Archie. That's you know, that's a reason they were able to attract a young up and coming coach like Archie Miller because it's still Indiana. But wow, I was just like, if this is really their best non conference road win in twenty years, then. Just shows you the stature that Assembly Hall has and that the program has, you know, nationwide. Now we just need to live up to it. So the last topic I want to hit here, you know, as as we look at what Indiana needs to do in Big Ten play, and I think you outlined at the beginning of this, you know, why there's every good reason to look at this as glass half full right now. And I think that's a good mindset to take into this. But this is also the reality of Indiana's last five games. I guess what, let's go back six games because they beat Florida State, and that was a terrific win. It really showed what this team can be when Assembly Hall is rocking and you got the Devontae Green you know, that, that you know that you can have and you're playing locked in defense. Like That was a terrific performance. There's no reason to think that Indiana can't deliver that three, four, five more times at home in Big Ten play. And Florida State, you know, still 20th in Ken Palm. I mean, they're a good team. And that's how you're going to need to play to you know, beat a Purdue, to beat a Maryland at home, those types of teams. And I think Indiana is going to be capable of that. But if you look at the last five games, so Indiana obviously got trounced on the road by Wisconsin, who's ranked 29th in Ken Palm. And, and I use these rankings not because, you know, this is the set, like where this team is going to be at the end of the year, but it's just going to kind of give you an understanding of, of, of what Indiana has done against where this competition stacks up right now. Then they lost at home to Arkansas, which we talked about. Their three wins during this time period were that neutral court victory over Connecticut, home overtime against Nebraska, 
neutral court against Notre Dame. Those three teams in Kemp Palm are 58th, 136th, and 67th. And I think, is it fair to say, Alex, as you reflect on those games, that watching it, all three of those matchups, like if you just took away the numbers and took away the expectations, it looked like matchups against pretty evenly matched teams, right? Like Indiana wasn't like clearly better and just maybe playing down to their, you know, down a level. Like I think we expect more from Indiana, but in for those 120 minutes of basketball, they looked a lot like the teams they were playing. Again, 58th, 67th, and 136th. When you look at the rest of the schedule now in Big Ten play for Indiana, there are only two games on the schedule against Northwestern and Nebraska where you're facing a team that is worse than currently 47th, which is where, or 48th, which is where Rutgers is. So the reality, and I think everybody knows this, is Indiana's going to have, even though they're 3-1 and one in their last four games, if you just take those performances into Big Ten play, you're going to win four, five, six games. That's it. Like, Indiana has to get better against the better competition that they're going to play night in, night out in Big Ten play. And I think some of that's got to come from health. Some of that has to come from upperclassmen just playing more consistently. And some of that's going to have to come from maybe a guy like Jerome Hunter emerging or a guy like Race Thompson emerging to where you're not getting a lot of production from him now, but they can change the equation because of how they develop over the season. So, you know, I, I continue to be optimistic. I think this team will continue to improve, but, you know, they have they have really got to play better basketball now moving forward. Uh, even though they've won three out of these last four, a lot of those performances would not be good enough against the majority of Big Ten teams to win. Yeah, I agree with just about everything you said there. The, you know, the the interesting part is how those eight minutes against Arkansas changed this conversation so drastically. Because if Indiana doesn't collapse, then we're talking about a team that's four and zero over its last four, and we're not thinking about all these problems. And that's to me, you know, I, yes and no, yes and no, because I think that doesn't because we even talked about. You know those performances, performances against Connecticut, Nebraska, and Notre Dame, and that Arkansas game—that's a home game. You know, look, I, I think losing that game definitely changed the tenor of it. There's no question about it. Um, but some of those other issues would still be there. You know, you it just it accentuates it that they just collapsed at the end of that Arkansas game. But do you think the Arkansas matchup is really something that can be a foreshadowing into what to expect against? other Big Ten teams just because the style of play that they they brought was so unique in terms of playing small ball, hoisting a lot of threes, and just the way that they played. I, I, don't, the, I don't know. The style of play, Arkansas style of play doesn't worry me because I don't think we're going to see another team like that. The issue is, you know, the, the reasons for why that happened felt so familiar to the last couple of years where the offense just felt clueless and rudderless in a really important part of the game. And yeah, the the matchup was different, but the mentality that you saw and the inability to adjust to it was similar. That's That, to me, is where the concern comes in. Yeah, and I think that my biggest concern is just where the, the leadership from the upperclassmen on this team is going to come from. I think the most disappointing thing about the Arkansas game and this last, you know, even going back to the Wisconsin game, it's it's really why I'm curious to see how Indiana plays tomorrow. I don't expect them to win, but 
you know they 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 need to be competitive and in the game um you know i think if you have good leaders you don't go on the road and get down 31 to wisconsin i think if you have good leaders you don't blow a you know 11 point second half lead at home to arkansas and so it calls into question for me you know al durham the play he made whether or not it's uncharacteristic of him as a person is irrelevant he still made the play and could have cost his team the game because he wasn't in there uh Devontae green for as good as he was early in the second half he did a lot he reverted back to some terrible habits late in the game and really cost uh, his team the game deron davis's body language on the bench to me uh, against arkansas wasn't great he wasn't standing up and clapping at all times he didn't seem like a guy that was engaged justin smith you know he's he's hit or miss. I mean, you don't know what what you're going to get from him. And and I think if you want to look at why Indiana's not kind of progressed to where people thought they should be at this time in in year three of Archie Miller's tenure, I think you got to start with those four guys and say what are these guys bringing on a consistent basis? And I don't think any of them right now could can objectively you can't look at any of them and say that Indiana's getting consistent good play from any of them and you know, they're not getting consistent leadership from any of them because if they were they wouldn't have performances like the wisconsin and arkansas game and that to me is what's got to change more than anything else well said and I, you know I don't, I don't mean to pick on those four guys it's just just reality i mean i mean i pick the them they're, they're upperclassmen i mean yeah the, the, more the, is the best expected. teams in college basketball either have elite talent or they have old guys that are producing consistently i mean trace jackson davis can't be expected to go out and get a double double every game but Devonte green should be able to be counted on not to throw the ball away the last eight minutes in a home game and al durham regardless of like i said i, I don't want to make this about al durham making one mistake because that's what it was but you, you that can't happen i mean that's it that can't happen. That, happen people were looking at you know, Armand Franklin played terribly down the stretch against Arkansas. Well, Armand Franklin realistically shouldn't have been out there. It should have been Al Durham, but he was in the locker room because he made a selfish play. So it's on the upperclassmen to get this turned around and fixed. And if they don't, then we'll see a seven or eight, you know, seven win Big Ten team and another trip to the NIT. And if they figure it out, I think Indiana's going to win nine or ten Big Ten games and make get back to the tournament. So that's that's kind of where we are at this point. I will end with this stat. You talked about Trace Jackson Davis and how you can't expect him to go out and get a double-double. Right now, that's a really big part of the formula for winning, so you kind of have to expect that. Right, um, right. Although, granted, you know, his numbers He's got to have against, some help, though. Yeah, I mean, his numbers against Connecticut and... What were the two games where he was in single digits? Connecticut and Wisconsin. So, yeah, well, no one played well against Wisconsin. You know, Indiana was still able to, to beat Connecticut without him having a great game, but it's been... You know, I mean, he's he's been the anchor. So here's a here's an interesting stat for you. Do you know how many times last year Romeo was named Ken Palm Game MVP in a game? Which means for both teams, who was the best an- player analytically in the game? Maybe three or four total. Five. You know how many times Trace has gotten it in thirteen games this year? Six. Six. <laughs> which is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um He's been he's been fantastic. Um, he's I mean he's been just unreal for a freshman and just fantastic in general. So hopefully hopefully that continues and some other guys continue to improve and play up to expectations around him. Uh, if so, Indiana's put itself in a really good position to be able to win enough games to get back to the NCAA tournament. Um, but if not, the schedule is unforgiving. So 
We will see. Look forward to seeing it all start on Saturday. We'll be there with the post-game show and the assembly call after that. And, of course, check out all of the post-game content at InsideTheHall.com. And uh, hopefully we're talking about a win. Then we'll talk to you guys next week. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast on the Brink. We always appreciate you being here. Remember to join me and my co-hosts for more IU basketball talk at assemblycall.com and visit Alex over at insidethehall.com for complete coverage of Indiana basketball. If you want to support Podcast on the Brink, here is the single best way to do it. Tell anyone you know who loves IU hoops about us and suggest that they subscribe. Podcast on the Brink can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are available. Tell your social media followers, email your friends, text your family members. For weekly discussion about IU basketball, they need to be subscribed to Podcast on the Brink. We'll talk to you next time. Go Hoosiers.